Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hey, y'all. Before we dive into this episode, I wanted to remind you to grab your tickets to our live show in May at the Kennedy Center. If you're in Washington, D.C., or if you're looking to take a trip, come join us. You can buy tickets at the link in the episode notes. And this is just a reminder, it will be great to celebrate with y'all in May. The reason being, which most of you know by now, is that I am discontinuing the Hey Girl podcast after our live show. So come party with us. Come hang. Natalie Lauren is going to be our special musical guest. And I am so excited to share with y'all who is going to be at the live show in conversation with me. There are quite a few folks. Join me in May. It's going to be fun. And I can't wait. See y'all there. Peace. Hi, I'm Alex L. and I write books for a living. The Hey Girl podcast was created with sisterhood and storytelling in mind. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. Join us as we journey through sharing together. Hey, Brandy. Hi, Alex. It's so nice to be talking to you again. How are you? I'm so good. I'm so happy to be talking with you. It makes me so happy. (laughs) You are such a warm light in this world. I'm so glad to be in conversation with you. So before we get started, please let the Hey Girl listeners know who you are and what you do. I'm Brandi Cheyenne Harper. I am a designer, a knitwear designer, a writer, a teacher, a creator, and I recently started making pottery. So I've been building these beautiful hand-built and hand-carved ceramic pots. Wow. Um, and I and I sell my work. I sell knitting patterns. I design workshops and classes. And my book is coming out in the new year, which I'm super excited about. And that is why we are talking, because of this baby book that you're bringing into the world. And I am... <laughs> So, so, so excited. Your talent blows me away. Every time I see something that you share, that you work on, and I'm really, you know, grateful to be connected with you through social media and also just your intentional way of moving through the world. So I'd love to to talk about this book and what it was like to write it and also to pivot away from selling actual goods because that's something you've shared about too how you're no longer offering finished made you know products but instead mm-hmm. patterns and things so tell me a little bit about the book and then also tell me a little bit about the shift that happened for you and your business oh my goodness so this book is it's called knitting for radical self-care a modern guide and it's a book that my publisher abram books reached out in 2019 
And I met with my editor at a local coffee shop in Brooklyn. And she said, would you be interested in writing a book? And I'm like, yes, <laughs> I would be interested <laughs> in writing a book. Um, which she was surprised at how quickly I came up with a title and a proposal. Like I turned it around within a month, a month because I had already been manifesting creating a book project, but it was more geared towards like writing for the creative spirit. So an inspirational mm. writing around fear and value and some of the aspects of being a creative person and, you know, moving through the world in that way. And so she clearly wanted like a knitting book. And I was like, yes, that would be wonderful. And so I wrote this book in 2020 and the world had completely changed. You know, I had originally thought that I would have something that was a little lighter, like a knitting book about making tea, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like in knitting. And meanwhile, like, you know, we had been, we were like at, you know, under the stay at home order. So the, the, the direction of the book really took a really hard turn to the, in a different direction where it became mm -hmm. exploring in deeper ways, what self-care meant to me. And it became deeper than, you know, having cups of tea in the morning, which is important for me having that routine. But it was like looking at the ways in which I value myself or rather the ways I undervalued myself mm. that led mm. to overworking and exhaustion. Because as I was writing this book, I was dealing with, I was probably the sickest I had ever been in the middle of like a global pandemic. I had an allergy attack, which, which was really driven by my allergens, but also extreme amounts of stress. Like I was working sometimes 60, 70 hours a week. Yeah. And I really had to look at the ways I was, why I was overworking, what was the root behind it. And so mm. this book, I started diving into like Audre Lorde and Toni Morrison and like Black feminist literature to kind of understand who I am in this world in deeper ways than I'm just overworking and maybe I just don't, I just don't care enough about myself. But I wanted to look and see if there was a deeper root. And so I started exploring radical self-care in that way, not in like the kind of surface level, but deeper, like how, why am I here and how am I here, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so each chapter kind of explores and celebrates a revolutionary women of color. You are one, one of them. <laughs> A revolutionary Yay. person of color, I want to say, because the book really starts to explore also the queer community and, you know, you know, the trans and non-binary community, people within my community. And so I just, it started to evolve into revolutionary people mm. of color who were exploring what it meant to take care of ourselves, what it meant to take care of our community. And then I started to really connect that with knitting by creating garments that was inspired by a person or inspired by an idea. Wow. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. It came together really beautifully. I am so excited for you because just hearing you talk, first of all, I love hearing about how our joy is manifesting through our work. Mm -hmm. And so just to hear you beaming and talk, we're not even on video. And I just know that you're like beaming and smiling and glowing over there. And I'm just so happy for you because there is no book like this. I don't think so. I don't think so. Like I quote you, I actually quote After the Rain and I, one of the most beautiful quotes. I don't want to give away too much, but I quote you. I quote my dearest friend, like Jamila Reddy. I quote mm -hmm. like, let, like people who are still living, but also people who are like our ancestors, right? People who aren't here anymore. And like I talk about, like there's one chapter where I talk about um, the word called tambolo. And it's about a tambolo in nature is a sandy isthmus. And I always, I'm always like wondering if I'm saying this word correctly, but it's a bridge that connects a mainland to an island. Mm. And so I create this metaphor, this idea that if, what if the mainland 
was, I guess, our everyday life, right? It's the things that we have to do every day, the things that we, we know we have to do to be human, which work, you know, take care of our children or clean the house. And what if the island was our creativity and mm. everything we do to make that journey seamless, where if any moment we want to create something, we want to knit something, we want to write something, we want to, you know, we want to paint a picture, whatever it is, we can easily get up from our daily life walk across this tumbolo, walk across that bridge and find our creativity right there in a second, in a moment. Because I think there's such a big gap between our creativity and actually creating the things we want to create. Yes. So this book for me is really trying to figure out how do we bridge those gaps? And you, for me, I use a medium, which is like so close and dear to me, which is knitting, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, I feel like it's, I try and touch on a lot of different things. It's definitely my first book. I'm excited for my second one. I already have a proposal going. Like, you know, I'm I like, I need, I, need, I need a buddy, the second book to come through because this is definitely like the foundation of my work. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And it will be so second book come through. Yes. So let's talk about being a black queer woman knitting and like yes. what that's taught you about community and digging deep into bringing a different lens to this. Because when I say there's no book like this, there is literally no book like this by a young black queer person in the world. And I hope you are proud of that because your work is going to transcend generations. And so for all the people who, out there who feel like they can't knit like me, will be buying this book and I will be trying <laughs> to knit. But I do want to talk about like your experience and your identity and how it links to your work and how it links to this book. I mean, I think, you know, I didn't grow up with a lot of money. I remember I taught myself to knit when I was 15 years old. And I remember a year, like a, within a year, I went to my mom and said, you know, mommy, it's like, can I get some yarn? She was like, $10. You know, I want the good stuff, right? I want the merino. Mm -hmm. And she was like, $10 for a ball of yarn, Brandy? You need to get yourself a job. And within a year, I started working at a yarn shop. And I remember I was working at a yarn <laughs> shop. It was owned by a Black man, actually. And wow. it was managed by a Bangladeshi woman. And mm -hmm. so my first experience within the knitting community was working with people of color, was working with like a black man that was actually married to a woman. He was divorced, but it was definitely interesting dynamics to come into a space and to be in the community with other brown people as mm -hmm. a knitter. And also they gave me a raise really quickly. They were like, oh, we really value you. And we, you know, we want to give the 60 year old like a raise of like $2. I was like, you <laughs> say like $9 an hour or something, you know? <laughs> and um, I felt like my experience as a young, specifically as a young black girl child, like a young yeah. teenage girl child, yeah. was that people often questioned my ability, right? They questioned how I knew how to knit. 
Um, mm-hmm. But also what I have the capacity to give them, right? There was like, oh, is there anyone else I could speak to? I, I dealt with that every now and again, even as in a more experienced knitter where people, there's a questioning of how, of my value. And I, I really had to really dig deep into this because it was something that I started to realize that I, I started to question you know, my ability, my ability to follow through on the things I wanted to do, to create, to manifest the life I wanted to manifest, and also to visibly see the doubt in people mm-hmm. in my work was something that was reflected back at me. And I started to really embody it in a way that I, I just didn't want to, right? So I think it's something that is very much a part of my work and encouraging through my writing and the things that I share on social media and through my work is this idea that we have the capacity to do and create whatever we have a desire to create, right? There are definitely barriers, financial barriers. You know, I didn't have a lot of money, but I learned how to knit, right? I had to work a little harder. There were people who questioned my ability to teach them how to knit, but I became a knitting teacher at 17. I started teaching at Pace University in the multicultural department when I was 19. You know, I launched my own shop on Etsy and I, I did all the work by myself. I started learning how to do photography. And there was a lot of financial barriers, right? There were a lot of cultural barriers where, you know, I was sometimes the only, you know, when Etsy, there was a thing on Etsy where you can like get you know put on the first page of like the Etsy thing right like that yeah. was a big deal to, like and I remember being featured for the first time and be like oh my god like to see myself like sometimes the only brown person sometimes the only black person on the front page of Etsy was a big big deal and I love the work that Etsy has done to kind of really help to you know bring awareness around black Etsy sellers so that's something that I've, I've been a part of in terms of representing that community on Etsy but it was something that is definitely ingrained in my work where I really have to work on not trying to prove myself to others and trusting mm-hmm. that I have the ability to manifest what I want to do in support of my community and the people in my life, but it's not dependent on people's belief in me, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I don't need it. Mm-hmm. It's supplemental and it's it's beautiful, but it's not necessary. Like I am enough. And like being enough in terms of even as a queer person, being sometimes on what feels like on the fringe. And I will say like, I can be straight passing for a lot of people. And it's something that, you know, I've been in a relationship with a woman, my partner and I've been together 10 years and, you know, she's mass presenting. And so when we're in, when we're walking through the world, people see us as a gay couple. Um, but when I'm walking down the street by myself, or maybe when even when I present online, people might assume that I'm straight or straight passing. There's a lot of assumptions, right? Mm-hmm. But it's something that for me, I feel connected to my community in a deep way in that we are definitely breaking down doors in terms of really breaking down this idea of what, what it looks like to be a queer person, what it means to be a queer person. The, even the, the pronouns we use, like people kind of even move away from the traditional pronouns that we use, like creating, like I'm a fish, like that's my pronoun, you know, like my pronoun is, you know, it's like, is this today and being like, yes, I validate that, you know? So I, I hope I'm being clear, but it, it's something that my identity and how it connects to my work is so deeply entrenched, mostly because I have to really think outside the box because there's no one exactly like me doing the work that I'm doing mm-hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. So I have to kind of, in a lot of ways, pave my own way and hope that people can, you know, see that path and follow behind me and we can, you know, we can move forward together like that. Mm.
I yeah. love that. I love that. And the intention behind what you're doing and how you're moving through the world is really, it's always inspired me. Just your ability to be creative, to teach and to make the most beautiful. I'm like, how did she do that? How? How did Brandy make this thing become a sweater? A ball of yarn is now a sweater. Like it's wild to me. And I think what's really beautiful about your work and your offerings is it's going to inspire folks to do exactly what you just said. Think outside of the box and pave their own way. That's definitely my hope. Yeah. It has already happened. And I think yeah. <laughs> with this book, it's, it's about to be even more lit. So shifting gears just a little bit, I wanted to touch on you moving away from selling tangible goods. So can yeah. you tell me a little bit about that and like why only patterns and what you're learning between, you know, the changes that you've gone through? Oh my goodness. Yeah. So I started selling finished garments in 2012. I started finished like finished accessories, hats. I did some sweaters. Um, I was doing custom orders. I was making items to order and I really enjoyed it. It was a beautiful experience. I was doing that full time for about, and I was like freelancing. I was doing different kinds of work. I was teaching with Etsy and Small Business Services of New York, a class called Craft Entrepreneurship. I was doing other kind of freelance and contractual work with companies and brands. And then I started, I really wanted to like increase my credit score. I wanted to buy an apartment. My partner and I bought a condo, you know, in 2020, like right at the beginning of 2020, but also wanted to save for my own house. And it was something that I, I needed to be able to save money. And so I started working full time mm -hmm. and it just became unsustainable, like working 40 hours and also, you know, creating finished garments because a hat could take me like you know, it would take me like two hours or a sweater would take me, you know, sometimes, you know, a 40 hour work week to design a finish a garment. And it just wow. became unsustainable. And yeah. so I started moving into publishing. I started publishing for magazines. Like I did an interview with Vogue Knitting Magazine and I, their sister company, um, Knit Simple. I, you know, I designed something for Making Magazine. They flew me out. I was a model for that project. And one thing I realized was that it was, it was, I was definitely able to, my margins were a lot larger. So, you know, I was able to charge, you know, for a two hour hat, you know, if I wanted to create an accessible price point, you know, the hat would be like $89, which for some people, that's, that's a nice little touch, you know, for a hat, you know, that's, mm -hmm. that's, an, that's mm -hmm. an investment, right? Like a hundred dollars for a hat. That's an investment. Yeah. If I made the pattern, like I designed my first sweater in collaboration with a company. And over the course of that year, I made $10,000 off of that one sweater pattern. Work <laughs> smarter, not harder. Yes. You know, I think one thing I realized was that something that I knew I, I had explored and I, I realized it's not something I wanted to do maybe later in life, but I didn't want to outsource my making process, right? Like I wanted to make things. I wanted to be able to make things and sell things and shifting to DIY, empowering other people to create my garments. That was a high demand too. People ask me, are you selling your patterns? Is this pattern going to be available? So there was definitely a demand to move in the direction of selling classes, selling, you know, patterns and, yeah. and resources for knitters, but also the margins were a lot higher. Like I would put a lot of upfront work into designing a pattern, which is like a mini book, you know, it's, 
It's written instructions. It's like, a, a, imagine following a detailed recipe. You know, you want to have everything you need to create this recipe. That's when I'm creating, you know, all the photographs that need to be tech edited, you know, those graphic designers. So I definitely have a few freelancers and independent contractors that I work with to develop my patterns. But once I develop that one pattern, there's no limit. There's no, I sold this one hat. And I would never be able to sell it again. If I designed mm. this pattern, I can sell it for the next 10 years and potentially make $10,000, $5,000. Like the, the numbers were just a lot bigger. And so yes. the, the transition was a lot easier for me. And then even, you know, being approached by a publisher, you know, I was able to get like a large sum of money in the form of a book advance to do work without the work being done yet. So that was yes. also another thing. Like I was able to get paid in advance with large sums in the, for the work that I had not yet done yet. And so it just, it just made more sense for me as an artist and as a business person to move in this direction. And I'm just so happy because there's been a really positive response to it. And I'm just getting started. I feel like, you know, yes, yes, man, that is, whew, that's amazing. I love that. I am all about streamlining the work. <laughs> so what do you want people to know about this book and everyone listening, pause the recording here and go pre-order the book. Thanks. You can see the link in the description box. Pre-orders are so important for authors, specifically Black folks. So please go pre-order this book if you are at all curious about knitting, if you're a new knitter, an experienced knitter, if you're not a knitter, go get the book. Thank you. Um, Brandy, what do you want people to know about this book and what do you want them to take away? Oh my goodness. So I want people to know that if you're not a knitter, this is a book for you. I designed, so not only there's like this radical self-care aspect, there is, it's a modern knitting book, right? It's a technique book. So there's a huge chapter where I touch on all the techniques I use to create my work and I broke it down into four sections. So there's adventurous beginning knitting. So if you have never knit before, there'll be everything you need to know in this chapter with color step-by-step photographs and written instructions to teach you how to knit. And then I dive into casting on and binding off for modern edges. And what this means is, you know, really finish neat edges. I talk about shaping and construction in another chapter where like, I really like the kind of like otherworldly garments. Like if you look at my my website, if you look at my Instagram at brandycheyenneharper.com, you'll see like my work. I like big collars and like dramatic, you know, like shapes. So I really dive into what that looks like for my work in this book. And then there's also about finishing, like how do you actually finish garments? So there's definitely like a textbook of how to knit in this project. And if you take away anything, I definitely want you to know that this project for me is very personal, right? Like I feel like in so many ways, I was very vulnerable and it's it's a part of me that feels really scared, right? To like put myself out there in this way and to kind of admit to myself that like I undervalued myself in, in different ways and the ways that like I kind of abandoned myself. That's a phrase that has, mm-hmm. I think maybe you have even introduced me to that phrase, Alex. It's like this mm-hmm. idea of abandoning myself for others. Like how often I've done that in, in ways that make people pleasing or or being afraid to say no, or being afraid people don't like me, right? Like how that informs my work and stops me from taking the next step to where I want to be, right? Mm. I want everyone to know that when you pick up this book, this book is designed for you, at least from my perspective, right? To give you an idea of what that can look like and what it looks like when you actually break through the fear because it's not going away, right? It's, it's always going to be there. It's designed to keep us safe. But what happens when we just, we, you know, we're on this, this edge, right? We, we, it's like this beautiful water at the bottom and we want to get in it, but we're scared to take the leap. This yes. book 
It's designed to be like, do it. Yes. <laughs> so that you jump, right? And then you start to use every single muscle you've ever earned in your entire mm. life, in school, in your relationships, in your family life to get you to the place you want to go. But sometimes the first thing we need to do is take that leap. And so if I can give any takeaway, it would be you can learn how to knit if you want to learn how to knit. And you can also create the things that you want to create. And I'm going to help you do it. Thanks for listening to the show today. Please rate, subscribe, and review. Also, feel free to share with a friend. We love having our community grow. Music is by DC's own Kokai. The Hey Girl podcast is produced by Wayne Bertram and me, Alex L. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.